a man who was hard catch when he played rugby. Uh, he was an easy wasn't an easy target to line up. Let me tell you, but. I'm delighted to be have him here with us this evening in studio, Joe Gorham, and doing well. I'd say loving, I won't say loving your job, it's not a dream job, but I think it's a, you're in a job now, Joe, which we will come to again later on, that uh, you, I won't say marriage made in heaven, but it's something that you've always, I would think, from a youth, in a youth coaching perspective, have had your eyes on something that you would have loved to do at some stage in your life, and I think you're doing this job now. To be sure, and George and John, it's great to be with you tonight. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd describe it, George, as find a job you love and never work again. It's just that type of arena and environment. And um, it's I, I'm blessed, actually. And, and then when you when you get uh, results like yesterday, and you're, you're right, you're right, John, I, it's, it's only the second time it's happened. But it should also be borne out that it's, the second time that Connacht holds the under-18 male and female uh, interprovincial titles, which is huge. So it's an injection of life, George. I couldn't ask for better. It, it's an injection of life to the game that I think the game needs at club level. And the fact that all these play, players, there's an awful lot of people can take credit for that success yesterday and the under-18 boys' success from people who taught these kids probably brought them to training at under eight level at every club around the province. The unsung heroes, there's lots of, not everybody plays professional rugby, Joe, but every man, that a native of a province that steps out onto the field to play, to play for his province professionally, somewhere along the line there was somebody that encouraged him to play rugby between the ages of maybe six and ten. And I think that moments like that, and moments like yesterday, is fulfilment for those people that little part they played. So so true, George. And and the crowd that was there yesterday was phenomenal as well. And you know, you, it's it's the same. It's it, it's it's the same fundamentals as when we played ourselves. We travelled the country and we travelled the province, and we have mothers and fathers bringing those kids all over the place, and it's so great. But what I would say to you is the major difference between the last time the girls won it compared to now was that it, that. The last time they won it, there was really only two clubs that met up the, the full panel, which was Banaslow and Westport. There was 12 clubs yesterday. And, you know, I, again, I, the, 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 the finger of bias might, might come back at me when I say I, I see the likes of somebody from Connemara. You know, the Craig's contentions, the, the Balnats, Ligo. There's, there's some really great girls up that side of the country now as well. Again, though, is that highlighting the way the game is spreading and the feel-good factor that's within rugby at an underage level. To be sure. And the prime example of that, actually, at the moment is the explosion of rugby in Carrick and Shannon. And, and lost, that could be lost in translation from yesterday's great victory. Uh, Carrick and Shannon beat Banlasloe in the, in the boys under 18 and a half B-final league final yesterday. And they, they have 180 many uh, kids now playing the game which is great so so there is a movement of, of people and uh, rugby in general I don't know about John being old enough but we're old enough Joe to remember Carrick and Shannon's first incarceration in rugby many years ago 25-30 years ago there was East Connacht RFC up in that particular area but now since their return to the fold Carrick and Shannon they have I don't mean to be they started at the bottom and have worked their way up and they're really as you said, a feel-good story and a, and a good news story in rugby. 
to be sure. And the the other major major change, and is, is, is especially in the female game, is building from the ground up, George. You you, it's no use building from on top down. It, it it won't last. It won't be sustainable. And and so in the female game now we have over twenty clubs with many females, and we have fifteen clubs under fourteen, sixteen clubs under sixteen teams, and another fifteen in under eighteen. So now there's a conveyor belt coming. And there's one thing I noticed, uh, Joe, and you will have seen this as well. This year, of course, the draw was made for the underage cup competitions and in girls rugby. And there were more clubs than ever. In fact, it surprised me, in fact, when I saw the amount of clubs that were actually taking part in those draws for those competitions. That that really sums up the the amount of encouragement they've been getting as well to take part in these games and in these competitions and to have a go. Even they mightn't feel that they're good enough, but they're still taking part. Yeah, to be sure, and 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 the big one on that, John, is that that the evolution of the game now uh, is resulting in an increase in adult female uh, players, which is great. It hasn't happened. It, it it it's it's plateaued over the last number of years, but in the last couple of years, there's been a twenty eight percent increase on adult players, female and, players. And just one question: one thing Connor did. Uh, was the work of the development officers to get involved with the clubs and there's a couple that spring to mind Wendy Hickey, more Dowd there's many others who've been involved in it but um, is, and is that where Connor can actually kind of hold themselves up and be very proud of saying you know we decided to do this we knew that there was a need for women's rugby in the province and we got the people out there so that they could help out those clubs that needed it yeah, but I would say the best thing that we've done is that, that it's become a collective we, in that it isn't Connacht rugby, it isn't rugby in Connacht, it is all the clubs, it's all the schools and Connacht then as facilitators. And I always go, I always go back to the story of Wendy and when Wendy came first, she was to be seen walking around the the town of Galway with a bag of balls and that's where the st- where it started and now to see how, how much it's grown I'd say she's such a proud woman today and, and yesterday and and I would say to you the club rugby development officers are, are huge for us as well so we'd have 14 full time staff and over the course of the season we'd be nearly touching on 40 staff around the area and it's all about ground force and it's all about improving coaching, improving refereeing, but but more importantly, <coughs> it's all about facilitating the players to get out and play. I love that improving refereeing because it certainly could do it or improve it at the top level. And I'm talking about for the professional game the way it's gone, but it's it, it's something that people forget. You know, refereeing that every bit is important, and it's, I think it's people to encourage referees, and I think it's hopefully to get a lot of ex players taking up the whistle and I think in the ladies game it's something that could happen as well because it's all about involvement and that and I just think you know referees much as we love to compliment them when we were playing it is a tough job and the more you can get the more that's encouraged to get into the game because the safety of numbers in in, in an occupation like that with with referees and I think it's a lot of there's a lot of lot of good work going on in that part of the the game as well which is very important well the referees association George you know without without referees and and, and, and I was probably when I was playing I was probably one of the biggest critics on field but you know there's 65 active referees in Connacht they've refereed last season's over 1600 games that's how big it is Mm -hmm. and 
uh, where you'd like you'd like the advent of, of fem- more female referees you'd like the advent of fi- more female coaches you'd like the advent of more uh, quality coaches in the female game so it isn't all a bed of roses but it's it's a work in progress Would it like Siobhan Daly then be kind of seen as a bit of a trailblazer because she has done amazing stuff as a referee over the past couple of years yeah, to be sure. Yeah, she, she's a great figurehead for the game, as as was Katie Kilban. Yeah, of course. And uh, and we're so blessed to have Joy Neville uh, uh, as referee manager. That's a that's a new appointment, Joe. And is Joy Neville's uh, role will be to encourage people to get in and to progress those referees, and let's say, for want of a better phrase prove that anybody can get there if you have the ambition and if you have the talent you will be recognised that's exactly right and is, so she's her, her role is referee development manager male and female for Connacht that's what she's there for and uh, and then to realise the level of your own ambition and, and in refereeing there is actually a career to be made in refereeing the same as the, a professional athlete there is and there is age things as we all the best referee we had many years Roy Gibson was prevented from going further because of his age you know and I think that's something that they might have to look at again but as you say also the game is not for everybody but the refereeing of the game can be as well and it's all about participation and I think that because of the professional ethos in the game now it's needed to embrace more people at a younger age that there is roles within the game because with the growth we have the professional game in a way is helping to grow the game in a youth level, especially you see all the teams playing at underage rugby, but as you, with with that success comes the need for more and more administrators. Yes, and it it shouldn't it should it shouldn't be forgotten that referees, coaches they they're 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 part of it, but quality managers are just as big a part of it. It's all about looking after the players, and sometimes when you're coaching, you can't actually see. The, the, the body language of players and, and how they, 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 they present themselves were really good and, and honestly uh, I think back to my own time when I started first it, there wouldn't have been a history of rugby in, even though I, I was in a rugby school in my own my own um, in my own house it was completely and utterly down to, to a man that lived on our street Peter Fitzpatrick and he used to come in and he'd nearly grab every kid from every house to get them to play it was Gaelic football at that stage and uh, and that that in itself, these are the, the, the people that they're the unsung heroes for me, I, and I've spoken publicly about it, do you know um, I've seen the four ends of the earth through sport I've met the finest of people through sport all because of people like Peter and great volunteers we're going to find more about Joe Gorham's youth and how Peter Fitzpatrick brought that sport into Joe's life after this break. You're listening to Over the Line on Galway Bay FM, the sporting sound of Galway. And you're very welcome back to Over the Line with myself, George McDonough and John Mulligan, where our special guest this evening is the Head of Rugby Development at Connacht Rugby, Joe Gorham. Currently, Crystal Palace away to Everton is still nil all at Goodison Park. If you want to get in contact with us, hit the Twitter button or X, whatever you want to call it, at GBFM Sport or via text or WhatsApp 0863833553. Joe, we spoke about Peter Fitzpatrick and all them fellas that brought you to sport when you were young. You tell us more about yourself. You were born in Clifton? Yeah, I was born on Railway View in Clifton and uh, I can't remember a day that I didn't have some shape of a ball in my hand and 
you wouldn't believe it, George, but right down the back of our house was the playground in Clifton. So when I left home, I used to say to everybody, we we had two tennis courts at the back of our house. And when my, my earliest memory was uh, we just couldn't wait for the, the sun to come up to be down there playing tennis, playing soccer, playing Gaelic, whatever it was. It was. And then then when I when I started secondary school, the Franciscan Brothers, uh, it was a Clifton Community School was a rugby school at that stage, and uh, it started it through the community games. And I, I remember that was the, the so first the community time. games Under would 11. have been your first experience of rugby union yeah, in the team, team absolutely, environment. Yeah, I remember. Okay. I remember the stage of shock I was in because we we played Banlaslow in the community games final. And it was the first time I came on Noel Mannion and he, he was he was as tall that time as, as he was when he played. He, was. He, he nearly blocked the sun out on me and I wasn't so tall myself. But uh, that that was uh, that was the igniting of it and, and obviously then I got a chance to, to play underage. And would that have been at about under 12 level? Would it under, or, 11. Under, 11. Yeah, under 11. So you would have been still in national school? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it progressed from there then and obviously I played schools rugby and played for college schools and but well, school rugby has had a tradition for many years in, in Clifton the famed Connemara All Blacks but in a school sense you say the Christian Brothers that ran the school was it a big was it a major sport within the school it, would you believe it it was the only sport in the school was at it? that stage yeah mm. the Franciscan Brothers were just absolutely amazing people for and they, it, it, rugby was their game so I had bro- brother Vivian and brother Killian and uh, tough taskmasters, no. Um, mm. But they they teach you they teach you the values of the game and and also the game itself. So and it was that, a great introduction. Would that be your first uh, ignition then with Henry O'Toole? Would he be in that vintage at school? And he, he Henry actually, Henry, yeah, Henry is a year older than me. Uh, but we we soldiered all the way together. Except when he was in in college, he was in Rockwell. Uh-huh. Uh, so I I didn't. Then he came back for the last year to play senior schools with us, and so we 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 from there on in we played with each other right up through, right up to the, the to senior level. And then you went to you said you played with Connacht schools, and that was a tough time for Connacht schools because they could only use the schools rugby playing schools basically there would have been a lot of players of that vintage who probably weren't going to rugby playing schools that you were yet to meet. Yeah, but my but my memory of it was we had we had some great teams now. I I I, I was three years on the college school, so I was sixteen when I started first on that mm-hmm. senior team and um I, my one of my, my my vivid memories was Johnny Colbert. I don't know if you remember him. Yeah. He, he he played ten from Palace Lloyd's in Chicago Dave, now. Self from Davey. Davey, Davey actually played County Minor then with me yeah. in the football. And yeah. uh so it, it I, I have to say to you, we were very, very competitive at the time, but but obviously uh, this, we were playing in in B schools relative to to you know the Leinster group because of, at the time there was the only the handful of rugby playing schools exactly really right. the province again unlike yeah. un, un, unlike today. Then after the schools, you were back to playing with. Connemara Rugby Club, did you? I, yeah, I was in when I was in school. I was playing with Connemara Rugby Club as well. But um, I, I obviously when I finished in school, um, it was uh, the RTC at that stage. Uh, uh, so I came into Galway and I played under twenties with Corinthians. But um, the interesting bit was while I while I played rugby with Connacht, I also were playing was coming through the Galway system in the football. 
And yeah. when we played County Minor, there they, there was the, the six four out of the six forwards, there was one lad who played rugby. And my my good friend Brendan O'Hagan, he used to say it was uh, it was two balls we needed, one ball for the team and one ball for Jojo. But I said, sure, all you St. Charles boys wouldn't give me the ball anyway. So, but you, but you would have played up. You and at the time, was it hard to juggle the two? Not at all. Not but at all. But you love sport. That's you why. D- I, I, they, they talk about workload now. I, I, I would say possibly when I look back on it, I must have played in a permanent state of tiredness because I just moved on to the next game. And in some instances, over a, over the course of a weekend, I could have played three matches. And I remember at one stage I played with the Connacht Juniors up in uh, Ulster, and we were the first junior team to beat Ulster away. And I had to come down straight away because I was playing a county senior. Uh, football final in Sligo uh, the day after and I'd say uh, again uh, a permanent state of tiredness Before we get to move to where you played and you did have a career around the province and that was taken through work but when you came to play with Corinthians you would have played then with a lot of guys your age that were beginning to come onto the scene the Tommy Canadians of this world one would think Cairden Brown we were chatting outside would have been and you also played with some se- there were some seasoned campaigners two well known props James O'Dea and Tom McDonough were holding up a scrum and the late Mike Connolly probably between them it was a time when the Corinthians and the Galwegians of this world this city welcomed the best in Ireland to the town because the senior league was only five or six games and it was the senior club games that attracted to play against a variety of players that would have came to the town. That's right, I was blessed actually. We, we So I, I came and I, I joined a, a seriously strong under-20 side and uh, five or six of us went straight into the senior team. Uh, they were That senior team had won an awful lot at that stage but they were beginning to get it on in age. And so we gave them an injection of life again, the, the likes of Joey. Actually, the, the hooker at that stage was Charlie Hosty. Charlie Hosty. And yeah. Charlie didn't, didn't stay too long more in the game uh, to be replaced by Joey Marlborough. But So you had Tommy and Joey, you had Noel Mannion, you had, you had Henry, you had Jerry Mullen. Fa- a, fa- a fabulous time mixed with the, the, the like I would the say the Kieran Smiths of this world so much forgotten a wonderful outside half Cammy Gallagher Kieran yeah. Smith one of the best wingers I've, I ever played with Fenton O'Flynn brilliant player Lighting the speed off the mark was something else one of the best captains and still I ever playing had. hockey competitively I, I could well imagine yeah, yeah 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 one of the best captains I ever had in, in my career was Gerald O'Connell because you'd go to war with them and that's all you needed. You just needed somebody as a young fellow, you needed somebody to protect you. And uh, and that, we, we kind of grew up together and, and joined the team together. And so at, over time, it blended awfully well between experience and youth. Was that the team that, or was it the remnants of the team that had won the All-Ireland Cup in the mid-80s? That was the team, actually, yeah. And again, it's only when you finish and you come out the other side, John, do you, do you get... Do you get you get the understanding of how important those wins were, and and that 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 win was huge. That was that we had, we would have to mention a man that may have got a late call up to that team, and now residing in Clifton, one Frank Brady, exactly a man with a lethal left boot. He actually did he play or did he kick a vital he, penalty he goal? He certainly did. He yeah. he came down for a social weekend. He'd tell you himself he came down <laughs> for a social weekend. I think if the truth be known, I think it might have been Jacko's par- uh, birthday party, Jacko <laughs> O'Connell, but um, 
Henry got injured in the semi-final the day before. The next minute he got a call-up. And actually, Jared O'Connell got injured as well. So the centre partnership was myself and Owen O'Donnell, both 20-year-olds, yeah. um, both freaking out now at the time. <laughs> but we got through it. And, of course, that was a, when Frankie would kick the old leather ball at least 70 yards when he, he got an opportunity. But again, that was an era of players, you know, who played for the love of the game, but the fitness levels of those guys, a lot of them fellas you mentioned, you know, to think at the level they played at the time and we see the professional game now, a lot of those guys, and I would include yourself in, the, in this, Joe, you'd often wonder if they were living now what way they would have ended up. A lot more of those guys you've mentioned quite possibly would have played for their country. Yeah, you'd have thought so, yeah. I thought Certainly I, represented Connacht in the, in the paid ranks in the, at, nowadays. Well, I, I would say to you, I, I would say to you, Henry O'Toole was probably the best club player I, play, I played with and it was very, very unlucky not to get an Irish cap. Jim Staples was in the way and do you remember he came to Connacht That's right. as an exile and stuff. Yes. Um, but, but George, you're dead right. We trained and played seven days a week. We, we were nearly professional without being professional. And... Um, but you'd wonder then, because I see the professionals, and and it's a tough it's a tough gig. Would I want to would it would have wanted to to have been corralled just into playing rugby? Because at that stage again, I was playing as much Gaelic, and and uh, would you believe I won an FAI Junior Cup medal with a great team up in Sligo called Real Tubber. Yeah, yeah, in truth, yeah, we bet we bet Strand Celtic, and it was so funny and so great, and it was a release for me at the time. Uh, you just mentioned those players, like, and I think Kieran Smith. The first time I'd ever heard of seeing Kieran Smith, I think he was seventeen years of age, and he played outside half for Connacht against Argentina in the sports ground. And you know, you think you say you you mentioned those guys who, if they were around in the modern era, one would wonder with the way that that skill level is nurtured in these days, but. You say they're about playing with real tubber. Now, you spoke about Connemara and Corinthians, but they weren't the only clubs because you were in a career in the bank and you generally played with the club that was nearest to you a lot of the time. You played at Ballon Robe and your dual status at Ballon Air. And that's, I'd say, how you became to play with real tubber because of your job. Yeah, and, you know, in the end, I, I, I'd say I have more clubs than Tiger Woods. But uh, So I started in Sligo, then I moved to Donegal, then came back to Mayo and finally finished back in Galway again. So th- there isn't many places and faces that I don't know in this province. Uh, but what a great introduction into every community if you were able to play sport and if you were certainly able to play it at a, at a level. It, 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 was, it was just a, a, an eye-opener as to, to where it could bring you. And actually, I'm, I'm married to Monica from Tubbercurry, which would have been my first post. And so she's, Would you have met through working in the bank? Yeah, well, would you believe it? We met, we met through um, winning a county under-21 title in Sligo. Her twin brothers were on the same team, and sport again isn't it? Isn't it unreal? Where where it, where it happen, how it happens? And we're forty years together this year now, so she's she's some patience. She certainly has. Now, your love of rugby, and we'll come back to that in the third part of the the hour. But I don't know how many people would also know that Joe Gorham is passionate about one thing from Connemara, and that's Connemara ponies. It's something you got to love from your dad and your family, it's... Everybody knows about the, the, the Clifton Pony Show, but the breeding of Connemara ponies and the actual stud book, it's something that I've often seen, and 
been chatting to you over the years is something that you it's really close to your heart yeah it's 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 uh, it's another love affair to be brutally honest and uh, when it gets in under, under your skin you can't shake it and my dad my dad reared, reared five of us off a small uh, farm and um, he used to carry Connemara ponies he was a great had a great eye for Connemara ponies then he, he passed on the legacy to myself and my youngest brother Mal now has has the land at home but do you know the the nicest thing of the whole lot is to see his his family and my family enjoying it as much as we did. Uh, uh, it it's 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 like the All Ireland, George, uh, when you go to Clifton. But that that's the social aspect of it. Winning is great, but there can only be one winner in any sport. Uh, and we've we've done our fair share of winning. But I would say to you, it's in the breeding that that I love. I I could talk all night about different lines of breeding and. Uh, Ponies in general. No, that, which brings me to the question I have to ask you. I mean, <laughs> why? Yeah, what is I? I was lucky enough to have worked in Ballykeneely for uh, somewhere around the same time of a Clifton Pony Show, and just what goes with it. If you've never been there, I recommend it highly to anyone to go. But what is it that is just so encapsulating about the whole thing that people just want to be part of this week and be part of it throughout the year, but that week in particular? Yeah, but the pony, the pony represents the people in the place, very similar to Connacht, actually. Um, and and it's 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 just it's the mecca. And then you meet. Uh, I, I can honestly say to you, my sisters in in Ashburn, my brothers in Chicago, they actually take their holidays for us all to meet at that time. So it's very much a family orientated thing for us. But it's also about meeting the, the people that we might mightn't have seen for a while, or may, maybe have not seen from the year before. But the pony is so lovely as well. But it's a community uh, thing as well, Joe. I mean, you mentioned about the family meeting up. That's not just your family, but families from all over, all over Connemara make it that week specifically to be there for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the, but you you have to you have to experience it to understand it, and it it is it's so great. It's it, it, but the, it it's all centered, it's all centered on the pony which then centres on the place. But that's what strikes me, and we've had a couple of casual chats over the years about that part of your life. The Connemara Pony, what is what is so special about that particular breed, Joe, for those listening that may not know? Because they're a very much sought-after breed of pony, and people starting kids in the equine, the show jumping, the pony jumping, that Connemara Pony is the be-all and all to a lot. Yeah, well, it's 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 a really good-looking pony. It's a very sturdy pony, but the versatility of the pony is is nearly like the versatility of the people of Connemara. They can turn their hand to anything, and and with with the Connemara pony, you could have them for for dressage, for show jumping, for any type of. of ridden exercise, but you can also have them as breeding ponies, and they they. Anyone that comes into our gate, there could, there could be four, eight, nine, ten different reasons why they come looking for the pony, and it's that's that's what makes it so great. But it's also so sturdy. It, like the pony would live off the side of a hill, uh, where a thoroughbred in your world, George, the, the, a thoroughbred wouldn't survive in Connemara. No, no. <laughs> the few tried. Yeah, it was, um, and and I would say to you, it's it's kind of. We've been brought up to with it and reared with it all our lives, you know. And a lot, a lot of people uh, had them down through the years to to survive, really. And uh, that was that was good. But too. more to modern times than the formation of like the stud book for Connemara ponies and that 
type of thing and the, the, where the breeding where breeding has progressed that has probably brought it the top level of the Connemara pony breeding into a little niche market really would it be right? Yeah, yeah, I, and sometimes that could be good and bad. Mm. And I would say to you, we have to be very careful. We don't lose the type of pony and the traditional type of pony. The the the, the sought after Connemara pony now is the is the performance pony, the pony that that can jump. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we should lose the type of pony just because we breed them to jump. They, they still need their versatility. So, in, in sometimes progress doesn't all also mean it's all positive. You know. Um, and from our perspective, we still maintain our values around breeding the, 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 the to maintaining the breed. And is there a fear that it that it actually could be lost because of the emphasis of wanting the performance pony, that the, the workhorse for use, if I can use that term instead, that you know the, the the sturdy one, the one that is the old reliable, as compared to the performance one, could find itself maybe losing out because of everyone wanting one particular type. Yeah, very much so, Jan. And it, it, you know, again, the advent of of uh, premiums and headage for ponies didn't overly help the pony, the, the the true type pony. The advent of of large prices, and it was over at the sales there um, not long ago, and there was ponies at ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen thousand, and I I wouldn't nail them as as Connemara ponies. Uh, so we do, we have to be careful. Um, but there's a delicate balance in life and there are some people who will maintain the breed, which is, would be myself and Mal, and there are other people that will breed for the performance side and there has to be a happy marry, a marriage. It's something, it is a very valid point in the fact that once we don't lose the tradition, it's like every sport really, every sport has a home, like they can manufacture hurling to look after the people, the 11 sides in smaller communities around the world, but at the end of the day it'll always be a 15-a-side game much the same with the Connemara Pauli. It's the workability, for want of a better word, Joe, of the particular Pauli that's, that's central to the breed. You're, that's so true, George. And, and if you were to liken that to rugby, rugby over time, or sport over time, but it, the sport of rugby that we're talking about tonight, I'd say one of the major things is the values of the game. The values of the game should never change. That's what, what's what we've all been reared in. And so for me, in the Connemara Pony world, I'll maintain what I was reared in. And we don't chase money, like you have to survive and you have to feed them and all that kind of stuff. But we do chase better and we, we, we chase uh, matches. And so in, in when we're looking at... at matching our mares with stallions we're looking at five and six generations ago that's how deep we go without get without boring you but that's that, that's where we're at with, with it with a when you when you have a deep passion for something as joe said he has married the pony racing world to the way rugby is going we'll find out more about joe gorham and rugby after these break you're listening to over the line on galway bay fm the sporting sound of Galway. And you're very welcome back to Over the Line with myself, George McDonough and John Mulligan. We're joined this evening by our, by our special guest, Head of Rugby Development at Connacht Rugby and I suppose Head of Breed of the Connemara Ponies as well, <laughs> Joe, Joe, Joe Gorham. And Joe, you made a lovely reference there to about the breed of the Connemara Ponies and about what the work doing in developing rugby and how they can little things can mirror but we spoke about your career that you played around the province and it was basically because of your work load and your home was still, your loyalty still to the clubs in Galway, both Corinthians and 
Connemara coaching job. Next coaching isn't for everybody. And those that coach me shouldn't have coached. They say we, we go, look back at people we come across, but it's something that you either have a grow for or you don't. I think it's a straight down the middle. You either have a grow for the coaching and you're going to go at it full pelt or you're just not going to bother. I think you're dead right. And I, I've, I've huge grow for it. I, I, even in the job now, I, 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 I'm a closet coach. Um, but I fell into coaching very unusual because... I, uh, as I said to you, I was training and playing seven days a week uh, to being on tour in South Africa. And I, I got a, what I thought was a groin strain and it turned out that I had an old man's hip. And so I had my first hip replacement at 35. And uh, so uh, as such, I had to give the game up and pretty quickly. And Stevie Hostey, in fairness to him, he said, would you like to go coaching? And I said, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, he said, will you do the Corinthians under 18s? I said, oh, no way. I've no badges, no nothing. I can only coach if whatever's in my head. And, but he said, you'll be okay. You'll have Brendan Duffy with you. And that would have... <laughs> that was, that, 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 that was that, my saving. That year, Joe? <laughs> but that would have... In, with respect, Joe... And you can say it badges and being a militant man that I am, you can have all the badges in the world, but you don't have the intuition of the game, you have nothing. You and Brendan Duffy were technically just perfect for each other. You had a great growth for the game, both of you still have. But the marriage made in heaven is a well-used phrase, but it was just something that clicked and maybe Stephen Hostey doesn't realise what he had done to, just to bring the two of you together. And ironically, the, the, the horsey reference is also very much so, of course, it's, with Brendan as a sure course builder. Is, it sure is. And, and uh, can I just tell you one story in, in the old Lansdowne Road? Uh, we had a gr- another great legend with us, Davy Lavelle, well, a club man of your own. Uh, uh, and a great friend. We, well, a great friend to all of us. But um, we were inside in the dressing room and normally Brendan spoke and then I spoke and we off they went but Brendan spoke and then he turned to Davy and he says Davy have you anything to say and Davy which really caught me by surprise and I didn't know if it caught Davy or otherwise but Davy just said one thing he said lads no matter what happens today we'll be friends for life and in telling you that story the hair is rising on the back of my hair head again like it did in the dressing room and knowing him as well as I would I knew what he meant. Correct. And the epitome of that is that myself and Brendan are, and both families are friends for life from uh, from our experiences. And and we were lucky enough to, to win a couple of All-Ireland titles. But that, I, I take look out of it, Joe. Well, you have yeah. to have got, like, you can, at that age, Joe, you can have the finest and most talented players in the world and you will always have two or three at that age group that will think they're better than others. If any age group needs proper coaching, it's that at around the 18, 17 and a half, whatever it is now, because it's the last step before you move into adult open rugby. Yeah, that's true. But but was it Arnold Palmer or, or Lee Trevino? One of them said, you know, the more I practice, the luckier I get. And sometimes in, in, in all sports, you need a bit of luck. And, and I would say to you, a great core of, of, of young lads came together at that stage and um, and mixed with a good good mixture of country lads. We, you know, we had we had uh, Fergal O'Rourke and Alan King from Connemara and th- that that kind of a mix and it was just so great. But but I'd say again 
what we brought to it was a bit of structure. Um, Brendan Brendan Duffy, honestly, was probably one of the best coaches I, I coached with. Um, I, I loved man management. I loved the psychology of, of the player. I always, even when I was coaching, I felt I was a player, you know, so I, I, I think I brought that type of stuff to the relationship. But um, but they also say that, that, that you know, um, a happy player is, 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 is a great player. But when we look at that, Joe, and it was a time when teams from Connacht weren't expected to do that. That's right. You were expected to play in the All-Ireland semi-finals because you won your provincial league. You were not expected to go any further than the semi-final. No. And that was the first and major hurdle I would think he had to get them over. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, once they got over that it was free flow. It was it was great. And the the, the I would say to you the, the the epitome of flattery on that was they changed the rules on the third year that we were doing it to ensure that we wouldn't win it a third time. <laughs> and we nearly went, we were very close to winning it a third time. They they, they started defining A schools and they did yeah. the base out of it on us and little things like that. But um, but, I, but I would say to you, again, the magic of, of, of some of the players, you know, Johnny O'Connor was my was our first captain. Martin McPhail, uh, if you remember him. Yes, he, Martin McPhail. Martin, yes. Martin, Martin was probably one of the first players to play Connacht Youths and schools, uh, and Ireland Youths and schools. Uh, it, it was great. And and the epitome of Martin was, Martin was away playing with the schools, and we won the semi-final. And he was, like, Martin was such a great player. Mm. But... He didn't. He didn't. He didn't start in the final because we were we were very loyal to the, the team the that got us there. And, and when he came on, he just blew blew the thing apart again. And that's the kind of characters you had. And then then thereafter, they asked us to move on again. Myself and Brendan to move on to the Connacht uh, Utes. And uh, and so I, I was lucky enough to have um, John and Ivan Muldoon, um, Andrew Smith, uh, Leo Smith. Um, Owen Lynch uh, Andrew Smith Owen Lynch both Portumna stalwarts All-Ireland winners uh, in, in uh, obviously John Muldoon went on to other things as well but um, they played for the Irish Utes and they actually hadn't a club after their name because they they were in Portumna wasn't a club at that stage yes. they actually played as did John Muldoon they played in Nina uh, thereafter, but that 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 was that was phenomenal to see them. There was another guy called Donald Nee from Roundstone, and yeah. and when I named those, I named them, and 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 I'm naming them, and I can picture it like it was yesterday. And that just is the epitome to this day. When 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 myself and Mon, Mon are out, uh, I love to see my players coming up and having the chat and. That to me is the epitome of what I believe good coaches and good coaching is about. And that era would have been, say, late eighties, early nineties, and there was some phenomenal players, even at the club game. You know, if you were facing them in a, in a, in a club match, you knew you were up against top class players, and it kind of rubbed off on all the other teams as well. Mm. That's right. That's right. And and then, then you know, some some go on to great things, and you know, Roland Lockney was one of them. Conor O'Loughlin was another. Yeah. Conor O'Loughlin was such a lovely fellow. In Conor's last game here when he when he when he played, he actually gave my son 
his last jersey and he, he, he has well, he was the cheekiest scrum half as you oh finished. he was fabulous and, and Billy Leahy from Sligo Conor yeah. O'Loughlin and Billy Leahy from Sligo were the number one number two uh, scrum half for the Irish shoots that year and when, when, you, when you see that but the greatest pleasure I had and I'm sure Brendan Duffy would say the same thing the greatest success for us was to see how many of those young lads who were on those that that, that trilogy of, of teams that have come back and been the cornerstone of the club again and have been coaching at at, at different levels and I think of I, I think of another great guy as we speak John John McDonough Peter's Peter's um, uh, uh, son he 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 played uh, ten for the Irish youths against Italy, and he's back now coaching at under fifteen levels. And there's a great group of of uh, of coaches there, and they have sixty four players, sixty four players. Maybe. And that's something that brings me back to is the players. What you said, we've nearly come full circle with the game in the last thirty years, Joe. During the last hour, and I mean this in a, in a lovely way in the sense that. You are now overseeing, we'll say, rugby development, the head of rugby development. I'd love to know how healthy you think the game is in the province at the moment. We see, which I think is a good thing, we've seen a lot of GA clubs, people we spoke to in the studio over the years, where GA clubs in rural areas, the footfall into the local national school is not as strong as it was years ago. Families are getting smaller and clubs have been forced to amalgamate you look at it in rugby I see a two or three instances at underage rugby that I love that clubs are coming together to ensure that rather than two clubs having 10 players each they have a squad of 20 and that can only help their own club in keeping the game going because you don't need to get 20 new players every season to play at adult level those 10 that are kept going along the way are vitally important. And I, and ironically, with the girls' game, that's where it was really prevalent with likes of Chumuk Derard now. And we've seen Gort Monavay making, uh, getting to a, a league final this year. And and actually, that league final, they, they played a combination of Corinthians and Galwegians, mm. actually, under, under the banner of... Is yeah, that something we'll be seeing again more over a couple of years' time? Would you ever think that would ever happen? Cor, Cor, <laughs> lads, lads Corwegians, it's official name, Corwegians. I still think for the game to flourish in the city, we'll need uh, one adults team in the other league. That's just a personal opinion. But going back to the no, rugby I, development, Joe, the health, the health of the game... You're happy with it, Ian? I am. I'm. I'm happy. There's. There's some. Like every. Like every sport, it has its its uh, rough spots. But, uh, you know, one of the major ones for me is that we we override perception with fact. And the fact of the matter is that the numbers are growing on a consistent basis. Uh, this is my seventh season, and and it's continued to grow. And the other huge one, George, is. The level of ambition of the clubs is just phenomenal. And again, it's the bedrock of wherever this is going to go. And when you go down and you see what's after happening in Craig's, no, I'm not saying it just because you're here now. <laughs> but, um, oh yeah, big time. Um, Craig's, Craig's phenomenal bit of work. But um, there's, there's huge plans of force. You see the, the new clubhouse being built in Monavay. That was that never had a clubhouse in its lifetime. You see that the land purchase in in Connemara that that they're ready to put on another pitch. You see the the advent of an, an astro in in um, in Balna, and the and the the amount of work that's done in Balna, 
and with little or no debt against it. That's that's the again the epitome of what a good community is about. So there's there's loads of ambition. I I would like to see. I, I, you know, in 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 boys' club scenario, you have the, the the men and women now, which is great. I would like to see Galway regions being a bit stronger, um, but the 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 likes of Sligo who are competing seriously well in the All Ireland League, but has also got teams right across the board. They, that that's a great example of how a real good committee works, and and they, as I spoke earlier about Carrick and Shannon. Um, they're they're do, they're doing phenomenally well. One of the best mm. junior cup finals in a hell of a long time was Craig's and 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 uh, Westport last year. Yeah, in your lifetime, would you have ever thought? Craig still that? can't figure out how they lost. No, they, they can't. They can't. And they, <laughs> I, I think in in ways they may have thought that they had the hard work done beating Connemara. I want to actually just ask you because I know we're getting caught for time, but I mean this coming Sunday now we've got the quarterfinals of the junior cup, and this is going to be a phenomenal. A week or uh, Sunday of rugby because you know Craig's and Connemara locking horns against each other. But you've seen the they see the development of Lexington done more coming into it now and now place themselves in the quarterfinal. University of Galway back to where they used to be. Correct and and done more. Done more is seriously interesting by by way of of having a seconds team. They have just as strong a seconds adult team as they have a first team, and and in Done More's case, it's gas how a small bit of success brings people along. They're having average crowds of three and four hundred people around in the in the in the fair green and you say, that's the way to, to build it. Uh, Ballinrobe have a phenomenal amount of, of young kids playing, all coming from the, the likes of Kong and the Neil and the environment. I know we're we're getting up on time, but and you rightly said, Joe, that I think not enough praise or I would think uh, yeah, praise is the word I'd use is been thrown out of the fact for the game we all love and the three of us around the table are a great graph of the game is that the work of the development officers and I think the way the IRFU in fairness here, much, here. most of the time as I will criticise them in a lot of things uh, not like a bit artificial pitches but <laughs> the work being done in the, those development officers bringing the game to schools where the game was never heard of cannot be just underestimated that's so true, and 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 I can't speak highly enough of of Colin McEntee and 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 what he's done for me personally, and what he has done for club and community rugby in Connacht. I'm telling you here and now, the reason that most of 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 the success we're getting is ground force and the success of and and of all our club rugby development officers and the support of the county councils. We just after launching the Sligo County Council rugby development officer full time, Galway City Council were the first to support me on that. We moved to Mayo. We're ready to, to kick one off in Roscommon and we'll get another full time rugby development officer in County Galway before before I finish. Whenever that will be, George. But that that is that is uh, pure uh, really sign that game is growing the way. We all, in every sport, want to see every sport growing, particularly rugby, that for too many years was given class as an elite sport, but it is a grassroots level. Very, very healthy. Joe, thank you very much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure.